Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your host is Becky Olson. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends, and family by providing resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here is your host, Becky Olson. Well, thanks for tuning in. My name is Becky Olson. I'm the co-founder of Breast Friends. I'm also a five-time survivor of advanced stage breast cancer, a motivational speaker, and the published author of The Hat That Saved My Life. And we have a wonderful guest today. I'm so excited to have her on the air. Um, Kim Wagner is our guest. She's been writing and speaking professionally for over 18 years. She encourages individuals to look at their life as a series of celebrations, recommending that we not take ourselves too seriously, which is not always easy to do, that's for sure. Um, Since her 2011 diagnosis of stage 3 breast cancer, Kim believes that what she is to share today, she believes it wholeheartedly, and that is that life is full of surprising joy. Bottom line, whatever battle wounds we deal with, life is too precious not to celebrate. And when I when I saw the information that I put together here for her um, intro, I was really excited because she and I have quite a lot in common, as it turns out, and from a belief standpoint. So, so Kim, welcome to our show. I'm so glad you're joining us today. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for the invitation. I appreciate it, Becky. You are welcome. So, you know, I know that you, you're a small town girl. You, uh, um, I'm not sure where you were born, but we're going to talk about where you moved from and to, and, and they're all small towns. So why don't you tell us a little bit about where you came from and how that influences your life story? Sure. I was raised on a farm in northwestern Minnesota, small town of yeah. um, Crookston, Minnesota. And uh, I, as a farm kid, I remember some of the greatest joys of my life were riding horses and playing with kittens in the haymow. And everything seemed so simple and lovely. And I thought I had my perfect world all figured out. And one thing about being raised in the Midwest is that I think we're resilient people. Um, it, it seems like our winters were often six months long, and our summers wow. were yeah, wow. <laughs> and our summers were really warm. And in our farm home that my dad built, we certainly didn't have air conditioning, but we it was a really, really wonderful wonderful way of living and growing up and and we learned to work really hard and any farm kids that I I speak to I it's it's the same thing we all have learned um work ethic and I I believe that that resilience that farm kids have really um defines our character and we're honest hardworking, and that's that's my beginning in Crookston, Minnesota. I love that. You know, it reminds mm-hmm. me of my husband's family. I always remember his grandma Sadie. She was so hardworking, and they were all from the from the Midwest. And sure. um, she came out here, and and I mean, here she was. I don't know how old she was, but she was up there, and she was out there working in her garden every day. And just, <laughs> I, I just, you know, I'm not I'm not a farm girl, and I've never lived in really a small town. Um, not tough. I met my husband and we got married. We moved to Medford, Oregon for a little while. But, um, but you know, I grew up in Seattle and, you know, I just, 
in Denver, Colorado and places like mm-hmm. that. So I never had that experience of being the small town girl, but sure. I know that the work ethic and, you know, and the, just the morality too, that sometimes is right. associated with, with small towns. I just, yeah. I, I love it. So now yeah. you um, made a move at some point to Fargo, North Dakota, the great big town of Fargo, North Dakota. Yeah. Tell me, <laughs> tell me about that. My husband um, became ordained in the Lutheran church and his um, first call was to Beach, North Dakota, way out on the western side of North Dakota, and we spent three years out there. And um, small town ministry again, holy smokes, it was uh, <laughs> it was such an eye opener for us. And and he he looked like he was fourteen years old coming out of <laughs> SEM. And I I tell you the things the life lessons that we learned in Beach, North Dakota were crazy, but really, really good, um, advantageous lessons for both of us. And then, and then about in 90, we, um, he got a call to Fargo, North Dakota, and we spent 27 years in ministry there. And it was it was a fascinating time because for 27 years, baptizing babies that eventually... Um, you baptized, Dave baptized the babies of the kids he originally baptized. So it was a really a oh, beautiful wow. <laughs> thing to, to see and how that circle of life continues. And yeah, we you probably married lot. some of them too, didn't he? You probably baptize yes, them and then ab- yeah. 20 some odd years later, too. marry them. <laughs> yeah. exactly. Small towns. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So you were there for 27 years and then you made a big move. Made a big yeah. move to Bellingham, Washington, another huge yes. metro- metropolis. <laughs> yes, and it, so. it just was nothing that we ever expected to happen. It was um, kind of a crazy time. Um, we were very settled, and we just figured that someday we would retire in Fargo, North Dakota, and maybe move to one of where our children lived or whatever, but strange that Dave got a a phone call one day saying, would you ever consider moving to Bellingham, Washington and serving as senior pastor at Trinity Lutheran? And it just, it was not on our radar screen in the least, but we um, came out and visited with the people here at, in the, in Bellingham and in the community. And it was March and they kept on telling us about how how they apologized for the rainy, rainy weather and all this. And we got out here and we left seven below in Fargo, North Dakota and came out here and it was in the forties and sure a little rain, but we're resilient. And uh, we are, you know, and and I figure if you can safely take a shower without shrinking, you can safely walk in the rain, you know, it's just the way, the way it is. You know, we get a lot of flack because I'm in the northwest as well, not as far yeah. north as Bellingham, Washington, which is up near the Canadian border, as I recall. Right. Um, uh-huh. But we do get a lot of rain here, but it's also stunningly beautiful in the, north, in the uh-huh. northwest. You know, it's green and gorgeous, and you don't get green unless you have rain. I mean, it's just right. a fact of life. So, you know, right. we have one, but we have the other to counter it, yeah. and it's just it's just a beautiful part of the country. So, it, so was that a good was that a good move for you guys? Oh, it was amazing. It, it, we we just see God's hand in so many so many areas, and um, it was it was an amazing move. It was a good move. It was uh, we have never lived anywhere where there's mountains and ocean and lakes so close by. Sure, Minnesota has ten thousand plus lakes, but 
we certainly in, in Minnesota, in the Midwest, we didn't have the gorgeous, majestic mountains that um, we have here. In the, it, It's stunning where we live. And yeah. so it was a very, very good move. And the people are wonderful. They were welcoming and kind. And I, I am very, very pleased that we made that move. Well, that, that's great. Well, I'm glad you did, too, because, you know, one thing in our life changes, and suddenly maybe our whole pathway changes, and I might not have met you, so I'm, right, I'm really right, happy exactly. you did that, too. So what's it like being a pastor's wife? Your husband is still in the ministry, I presume? Sure. Mm-hmm. So what's that like? Well, it's, it's wonderful, and yet it's challenging. Um, I remember thinking when we had four kids in six years, so they were little in a clump and feeling so often that we were in a big fishbowl and our Mm. parishioners, it felt like they were watching and just (laughs) waiting for me to screw up as a pastor's wife and all. And that's not the case, but sometimes um, being a pastor's wife can be very, very challenging. And I'm a very much extrovert and my husband is a bit of an introvert and uh, we have a dynamics that works really well with us, but it sometimes it felt like um, a lot of people were watching and judging, which probably wasn't the case, but um, that's something probably that I put not. on my shoulders. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we tend you know. to do that. You know, we're women, and we just, I think I that's, know. A, that's a girl thing, yeah. I think. Pardon me I if I offended so anybody just now. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, we, we always worry about how we're dressed, and I mean, when was mm-hmm. the last time you, you, your husband cared? Honey, are my are my pants? Do they match my shirt? And do they? No, <laughs> it's so true, <laughs> so true. Although we do have a daughter that's a fashion designer, so you know we have to be very tuned into that because she will definitely let us know if we're wearing something that we should not be. <clears throat> you know, hold on. I need a doctor. Thank who's goodness a for my mute button. I am so glad I have a mute button at times. Sure. So listen, let's let's change gears here a little bit because I don't want to run out of time before we get to the heart of what we want to talk about. But you, um, in 2011, you got diagnosed with stage three breast cancer, and and mm-hmm. just so you know, my first diagnosis was also stage three. And you know, mm-hmm. we never want to catch it. We want to catch it when it's stage one or stage two. Stage three is a long time, but. Um, sure. So tell us what that was like and, and what stands out most clearly in your mind about your diagnosis. Well, I bet like you, Becky, it was just surreal. Um, you know, they, they say, they give you all the statistics, one in eight women will have um, breast cancer, but uh, it, it still was surreal. And my tumor was large. Um, it was aggressive. And... I was grateful that it was found, of course, but I was just consumed with fear. Consumed. Um, my my mother died of pancreatic cancer following two bouts with breast cancer, and I I was so fearful. And sure, I come from a faith community, and I I felt like I was a strong, strong woman, but I was just consumed with fear. And somebody gave me this wonderful little plaque that I put on my desk at work and it it said that fear has two meanings f e a r you can forget everything and run or face <laughs> everything and rise and oh. to face everything and rise i decided that 
was going to be what I was going to do, and the choice was mine. And it would have been really nice at that early stage just to run off into the woods and let the world go by, but that was not going to solve anything. And so, sure, there was a lot of fear, and yet um, my husband um, was just always there for me, and my faith community was always there for me. And and like you, you know, one day at a time. Yeah, and we do have to go one day at a time sometimes because it's so it's so overwhelming when you start to think about what it means to have a cancer diagnosis as far as just life change. I mean, you're going to go through yeah. treatments, and some of them, if you go through radiation, is going to involve every day, and and it's mm-hmm. just it can be very overwhelming. And when you try to think of it as as you know, what's that saying about eating an elephant? The best way to eat one is first thing in the morning, and of course, dipped in chocolate that helps too. <laughs> but um, but when you yeah. when you have to face this whole big thing, it's it's overwhelming, and sometimes we just end up writing out the list and just checking things off as we go just to get it done. And we never really have time to process fully what we've gone through, Sure, you know, until maybe we get to the, to the other end of it. And, you know, so I love that face everything and, and rise. I think that's, yeah, I I love that. That's because that's true. And, you know, we, we can be afraid of everything that comes our way or, you know, just face it. One of the things that, um, that, I, that that makes me think of is, you know, when I look at my journey, because I'm in my fifth battle right now, and th- those who've listened, who listen to the show on a regular basis know I'm actually in my fifth battle as we speak. And, mm. you know, it's it's uh, metastasized to my lungs. So um, they, that's why I'm very thankful for my mute button, because <laughs> there are times yeah, when I really yeah. need it. Um, but I know in my heart, I know in my heart that God has been with me every single step of every single battle that I have faced, and he's with me even now. And, you know, he doesn't promise it's going to go away. He doesn't promise any of those things, but he does promise to stay with us. And Perfect, as long yeah. as as long as long we'll continue walking beside him, he never leaves us. So, right. Um, right. you know, and, and, that's, and that does help you face things is when you know that you're not walking this journey alone. So, sure. And also to know that you've got a community of people who love you and support you. That's why I think that the cancer community is so important, you know, for a woman who's going through this battle. Don't try to do it alone because it's really hard. And there's a whole community of people out here that want to support you and have your back. And, and, right, and God right. is part of that picture. And the support mm-hmm. community in breast cancer world is a big part of that picture, too. Yeah. So let me ask you, people say that their cancer diagnosis changes them. I know it changed me. How did mm-hmm. it impact you, do you think? Oh, boy. I was someone that always had about eight pots on the stove at one time. I was really good at juggling lots and lots of different things. And I think the biggest thing about my cancer diagnosis is it it stopped me. It just made me stop in my tracks and really, really analyze what was important. Mm-hmm. And all the things, I look back, Becky, and all the things that I thought were so important were just so insignificant. <laughs> And I, I could make such a mountain out of little, little things. And I realized that this little interruption called cancer 
terribly disturbed my little perfect world. And Mm -hmm. there's that little saying that says sometimes the bad things that happen in our lives put us, what is it, directly on the path to the best things that will ever happen to us. And I am so grateful I'm grateful that cancer made me reprioritize what is important. And it, that interruption was exactly what I needed in my life at yeah, the time. That, that's, that's amazing. Uh, you know, and I've mentioned this little book before, but I was walking through a bookstore one day and I saw this little tiny book called Live Like You Were Dying. And it had mm-hmm. Tim McGraw's CD in the back and a little forward from him. But inside the book, it said, and I love this, I've quoted it many, many times. I don't know if he wrote it or one of the authors of, of the book. There are many. Um, but the, the statement was, we're all terminal. Mm-hmm. Some of us are just lucky enough to know it. And, yeah. you know, we yeah. all, I, I spoke in a church this weekend in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and, and you know, with this diagnosis I have right now, I don't know if I have, you know, months to live or if I have years to live. And, I mean, Lord only knows, maybe I only have weeks to live. I mean, it's just, right. we don't know. But the pastor of the church brought up a really good point. He says, everybody in that room has weeks, months, or years to live. And none of the difference is, most of them don't think about it. And, you know, once you start thinking about it, you start realizing that you can change your priorities. We have time to do all those things. And mm-hmm. a lot of times people don't even give it a second thought until it's too late. So so we are lucky to know that difference. And I right. appreciate you sharing that with us. So um, we're going to go out to break. But before we do, I just want to mention to our listeners, if you're interested in supporting our show, you there is a link on breastfriends.org. That's our, our Breast Friends website. You can make a donation through that um, in support of this radio show. So please consider that. If you like this radio show and you want to see it continue, go to breastfriends.org and make a donation. And stay tuned. We'll be back in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Voice America. 
tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We're talking about celebrating today and finding joy in our circumstances with our guest, Kim Wagner. So, Kim, just before we went out to break, we were talking about um, how your cancer diagnosis changed you and about, you know, reprioritizing. And and I I couldn't agree with you any more than that. And so Mm -hmm. let's kind of switch gears one more time and let's talk about um, your book. You talk about in your book the importance of the three F's, faith family, and friends. And why yes. are these important to you? Let's talk about that. Well, I think any anyone going through a cancer diagnosis and who has a faith background will agree that faith by far um, carried me through some, some tough, tough times. And I loved what you just said about how realistically we are all terminal. Um, you know, there's I, I don't know of too many people that get to live life twice, um, yeah. but here we are on this on this little journey, and faith, I, substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen, it's hard to define faith, isn't it? And yes, yet, it is. It's it's just something that is so part of my being. Faith, family, friends. I remember when my son was soon to have his eighth birthday. He begged and begged and begged for a pup tent. And we had already gotten him a little set of Legos and financially we weren't in the ability to go out and buy a pup tent in addition. But um, the night before his birthday, I remember him laying in bed and saying, Jesus, this is, this is Isaac and I really want a pup tent and I want it round and I want it <laughs> domed and I want, you know, on and on and on. And again, I I reassured him, honey, you are not going to get a pup tent, but your gift is great. It'll be on the kitchen table in the morning. And that night we had this terrible, terrible storm. It was crazy high winds and stuff that was in South Fargo ended up in North Fargo and stuff from West Fargo ended up in Moorhead, Minnesota. Oh my goodness. That's quite a storm. And we sat down at our kitchen table the next morning my husband Dave and I sat with our cup of coffee, opened up the patio um, blinds there, and what was on our patio? It was no. a pup tent <laughs> that had blown in from God knows where. And about he that does. very same time, exactly Isaac <laughs> comes up. Yeah, Isaac comes up and he says, "Oh, you got me a pup tent! I'm so excited!" And and oh, I remember please. thinking, "I love how that. God provides." And. <laughs> And and I think specifically, um, my faith, I was to ask very specifically, oh God, I, I don't want complete healing, but if you would just give me a little more time, time to see some grandchildren born, time to see some of my children get married, give me just a little more time. And that's where that faith came in, and my friends and family were just always there for me, whether they were taking me to chemo or whatever the case is. They were there. They were fixing food. They were mowing our lawn. They were walking my dogs, cleaning my house. They were good, good people. Oh, that's wonderful. And I can't get this vision of a pup tent out of my brain now. I mean, I've seen yeah. lawn chair lawn chairs get kind yeah. of... 
thrown about, you know. So I pictured maybe a lawn chair landing on your on your backyard, but a pup tent, yeah. the very thing. Wow, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. love that story. That's great. Well, thank you. It is. It's, and it's a hoot. and so faith definitely, friends definitely, and I know family friends can feel like family and and all that and I know you talked kind of briefly about your church family and how they they mm-hmm. supported you through your cancer diagnosis and and it sounds like they were they were very supportive as well is that right yeah good people yeah. good well you also like to find the humor in things and so talk about humor and because I know that you are a humorist when you speak and mm-hmm. you know you've shared some funny stories from the stage so how did how difficult was it to find humor in the diagnosis I think it's it's possible to find humor in just about anything if you look if you look at it from a little different standpoint there were things that happened that truly were were very funny. Um, a little sidebar on my on my book. It's called "Saying Goodbye to the Girls," and uh, the sidebar that. is a light look at the dark side of cancer. And with with any kind of battle, there's always going to be a dark side to the battle. But we can find humor in just about anything. And and if we can't laugh at ourselves and laugh at the little situations that God puts us in, I don't know. We're, we're missing, missing something. Um, because life, life, sure, it can be so incredibly challenging and difficult and tough, and we think, how, how can I ever possibly get through this? And then we can find some humor in it, and that's what got me through time and time again, and I love sharing that from the stage. Yeah, that's a good message. I, I have a very good friend who, when I went through my cancer battle, she she and her husband found this really amazing um, hat uh, through the through the uh, through the web. And you know, this is back when before the internet was a really big deal. Um, sure, but but they found this hat through this catalog, and they bought it for me. And it's really the the kind of the story behind my my book, The Hat That Saved My Life. But it was a yeah. humorous hat that just kind of changed everything for me. And and she was really nervous about giving it to me because she was really afraid that they weren't taking my my hair loss and my disease seriously enough because they were willing to risk, you know, and, and laugh about it. And sure. it was life-changing for me. It changed everything. And I was so thankful that they that they risked you know <laughs> what they were feeling to, to right, help me exactly. re- kind of recoup my sense of humor. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So it's it's really important. Well, let's let's. Uh, so humor is obviously very important. Um, we we oh, talked about yeah. mortality and and all of that. So let's talk about mm-hmm. your cancer journey and what have you learned about yourself, and mm-hmm. and what what about other cancer survivors? Survivors. What's what's surprising to you? Um, not so much surprising, but realistically, I think, um, cancer survivors are really tough, tough people and they have to be in, in order to survive. And I think it's funny, my, a friend of mine, one thing that I did learn through this, and I'm sure you did as well, there are times that you just need quiet. You just need quiet. And a friend of mine who was also going through cancer um, gave me this little, I got a lot of plaques. 
when I went through this, and I, I love words, but um, it said, you survived what you thought would kill you, now straighten your crown, move forward like the queen you really are. And <laughs> I, I love that. And then she also gave me a little plaque to put on my door, my outside door, and mm-hmm. it said, the queen is not taking visitors today. <laughs> and I just thought, yeah. As survivors, we have got to put our little boundaries out there and say, this is a good day and this is not a good day. Yeah. And I've learned that a lot of my friends who have been through this journey give great advice and it was take time for you. And yeah. I bet you learned the very same thing when you were going through this, when you are I- going through this. Yes, and and there are times when um you know that you do kind of want to just be alone, but but I do want to put out a word of caution about that. It's really mm-hmm. easy to get sucked into that hole, you know, where you mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. think being alone is a good idea, and it probably right. is for a short time, but it gets to be very dark very quickly, mm-hmm. and yeah. um and it's really easy to stay in that place because it's kind of comfortable there. Um, but <laughs> so it's true. also not where we want to spend our life. You know, what? one of the things I've been sharing with my audiences lately is about staying in the light. And it's and it means a lot of different things. But, um, mm-hmm. but bottom line, you know, we're all here for a reason. And if we can come to that acceptance place where we know God is walking with us through this journey, he can help right. us stay in the light by by reminding us why we're still here. I mean, we all still have a message. Kim, you have mm-hmm. a message. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I know yeah. I'm, <clears throat> I'm hoping we'll get to this place where we can find out what's going on in your life right now. But um, but we all get to this place where, you know, God has us walk through these pathways. And, you know, we're not alone in that. So so right. stay in the light and, you know, find, find that purpose that you're here for. And, you know, I've got a whole yeah. talk on that, but today isn't about me. It's about you. So <laughs> let, let's... <laughs> Let's move. Let's move forward from that. So your word you know, is before celebrate. You, before you oh, step, before you step away from that, though, uh-huh. music plays a big, big part of my speaking. I I right. usually interject a song or two, and sometimes it's stuff that I've written, and sometimes it's stuff that other people have written. And okay. um, Plum has this wonderful, wonderful song called "Need You Now," and part of it is standing on a road I didn't plan, wondering how I ever got to where I am. And I'm trying to hear that still, still small voice, and I'm trying to hear above all the noise. And it's, I think with the craziness of a diagnosis like cancer, you are so right. We, we can't put ourselves in a room and shut the door and expect that everything is going to be great. We do have to open ourselves up to how God is going to be using us. And That's right. I, I appreciate your thoughts there. Well, thank you. <clears throat> thank you for, for kind of reaffirming that because I think it's mm-hmm. I think it's really true, but it's harder for him to use us behind closed doors. You know, yeah. we've got to so, so get our light out from under the yeah. bushel, right? <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and share it. So, um, so I love the fact that you have this word celebrate that means something to you. How did you mm-hmm. come up with that and what does it mean to you? It started years ago when I heard Oprah um, say a comment, the more you praise and celebrate your life, the more there is in life to celebrate. Uh-huh. And I, I think that all of us should have some kind of a word that defines us. And if I'm not going to celebrate today, if I'm not going to do it now, 
when will I do it? And I have this little thing that I say, I, I'm, I'm a complex woman with this really simple desire to change people's lives. And I want to encourage people to look at those 24 hours that they are given every day and find something, something in there that is worth celebrating. And I, I would encourage you to look at little segments of, you know, four hours here, four hours there, four. How mm-hmm. is it that you can find something to celebrate? And it usually isn't a birthday or a wedding or an anniversary or a graduation. It's something very simple that we can it's celebrate. It's a moment. It's a moment. It's a sometimes. moment. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and you know, I think that's one of the things that I think is so important when we kind of get into that that dark place where we kind of just curl up and want to want to yeah. just go hide for a while. If you can find right. one thing, even if it's just for a few minutes that brings you right. joy, even if yeah. just for a few minutes, do that one thing for a few minutes that brings you right. joy and that yeah. can kind of get things spinning a different direction. And I think it's exactly. it's really important. And and you know, and it's not always easy. And this is to our listeners out there. People ask me all the time, how do you stay so positive? I don't always stay so positive. Yeah. Right. I try, but there are days when I just, you know, like you were describing, the the queen is not taking visitors right now. Right. And right. you know, but but again, not not for so long. You just you want to kind of pull yourself back in whatever way you can. And I I share this often. I start by taking a shower. Just take Mm -hmm. a shower, you know, get get some of the stink off of you and and start to move forward just a little bit. So so Uh what are some of the celebrations that we can put in our everyday lives that are meaningful? Can you give us some ideas? Absolutely. Well, after my shower, I will take a mug out of my little cupboard and it's a, a mug that I received from my mother many, 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 many years ago. And I pour a nice cup of coffee and I sit down and I talk to my mom. I just have this little uh-huh. conversation and I tell her what's going on in my life. And, and she was always so proud of me. She, was, she had six kids and I was her baby and I was her favorite. I, I often had to tell her, <laughs> Mom, I am your favorite. Remember this, Mom, Remind I'm your her, baby, yeah. I'm your favorite. And my mother would so often say, yes, Kim, you are my favorite baby. Yeah, I was, I was her last baby. But um, I have that little cup of coffee with my mom. Um, another little celebration I have every day, I really try to make a point to either write a card to somebody that I have that has influenced my life somehow and thank them. Just thank them. Sometimes it's a teacher from high school. Sometimes it's a friend I met yesterday. Thank them. And then, you know, what, what about driving around looking and looking and looking for a parking place and that, that spot that you think you're never going to get is just open. It's right there. Is that not worth celebrating? Um, serendipitously, running into a, a really dear friend that is 1,500 miles from home. These are little itty-bitty celebrations that I think God puts in our path that are worth looking at as something wonderful, a gift. Oh, I totally agree. I used to, when my friend Sharon and I would drive around places and and go, you know, just shopping or whatever, she had the best parking karma of anyone I ever knew. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we named it that, parking karma, you know, because it is, it's a little celebration. I never really thought of it that way, but... 
But yeah, right. or or the day that you blow dry your hair and it actually cooperates, that's a celebration. Yes. You yes. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I know, because it doesn't always work. And sometimes it picks the worst times to not work. But, you know, you're getting ready to go out on stage and your hair is like flat. <laughs> and it just yep. won't do its thing. So when it does cooperate, that's that's mm-hmm. a celebration. So sometimes it's just the little dumb stuff like that. But yeah. But find a reason to smile and, and, you know, laugh about it. My husband has a great sense of humor, great sense of humor, uh-huh. and he really did a good job of keeping keeping things light, you know, at times when it could be, you know, really, really dark. And, sure. you know, just trying, yeah. going for intimacy when you're going through cancer and you've got scars everywhere and, you know, you're right, feeling right. very ugly and you don't want the lights on and, you know, it's just, yeah. and, and he even found ways to make that funny and charming and and he's just got Bless a great his heart sense, yeah he's got a great sense of humor about so yeah. many things and um you know and, and he did help me laugh and that was that was really important so listen we only have like a minute left in this section sure so uh what commonality have you discovered with other women dealing with various battle wounds not necessarily cancer hmm. i just think the commonality we have with women in general we look at life so differently than I believe, than how men look at life. And the commonality that I have found, no matter what kind of battle wounds you are dealing with as a woman, is we've learned to be so compassionate and so kind, tender-hearted, and we've become much better listeners. And I think all of us can say we've learned to appreciate the little things, the simplicity in life rather than looking at the big events to yeah. move our mountains. It's the little things. It is the little things. I really, really appreciate that. I saw a sign in my doctor's office, and I'm going to paraphrase it badly because I don't remember exactly what it said, but it had to do with scars. And it said something about, you know, the, the battle wounds, the scars that we have are just a reminder that the thing that tried to kill us just made us stronger. And and those scars are that reminder, and I I love that. Uh, I think mm-hmm. it's it's really important. So yeah, I think that that does lead to a certain amount of compassion because we understand what what we're all going through. It's a sisterhood, and I right. think that it's very very important. So whether it's breast cancer or something else, you know, we all have wounds, we all have trauma that we go through, yep. and yep. Um, and we can we can relate to each other so so thank you with that and on that note we're going to go out to break and we're going to come back and finish this segment up and i'm sad that this is going so fast (laughs) so but we'll be back in a minute stay tuned yep become our friend on facebook post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline visit facebook.com forward slash voice america Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card. 
that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking with our guest, Kim Wagner, about celebrating today and what are some of the the little victories that we can put into our day to make it feel like a much, much better day. So, Kim, thank you so much for everything you've shared with us so far. You wrote a book called Saying Goodbye to the Girls. Why don't you tell us about mm-hmm. that? What led you into writing that book? And you're chuckling already, so I'm guessing there's some I humor am, in that. I am. <laughs> Well, first of all, I I have to say that um, I'm I'm not, I'm not a really really excellent writer, um, but I I have a story to tell, and what I found shortly after my diagnosis, I wanted I wanted to become educated. I wanted to know what what I was heading into, and everything I could get my hands on was so technical. Like, for instance, the Mayo Clinic puts out this guide to women's cancers, and it's like two and a half inches thick, and it's Ah. full of words that I could never pronounce. And and it was scary, really, really frightening to read. Um, And for some people, they would just absolutely absorb that, but for me, it was a little bit heavy. So I started to look for things that could be humorous, that could be funny, that could be joyful, that would walk with me along the path that was going to be difficult, and I had a hard time finding a lot of a lot of books. So uh, I just decided that I was going to start putting together a bunch of little stories that some of them had to do with the cancer diagnosis, the journey, and some of them had to do with growing up on the farm, and some of it was um, introducing some of the important players in my life and all this, and I just put them all together and... I remember this, um, the whole idea of not calling breasts anything but girls. They were, they were just always my girls. And being out on this big garden out in the middle of a hot day in July, picking peas with my mom, and I, my period was soon to hit, and I was sore. And I said, oh, my girls just are so sore today. And my mother looked at me thinking I was fighting with some girlfriends or something. <laughs> and, I, and she corrected me saying, Kim, those aren't just girls, those are breasts. And then she went on to this little litany about how important we as women are with our breasts and we'll be able to nurture our babies and yada, yada, yada. And um, 
I just remember that conversation and wanting to say, wanting it to be a funny idea, saying goodbye to the girls. These are something that have played my breasts, your breasts. They're a big part of what made us women. And then they're gone. And how do we get over the whole idea that they're part of us and now they're gone? So I just wanted something light and fun and You know, it's amazing to me how people get really upset about that phrase sometimes, because I'm with you. I mean, if if we whatever it it takes to put a smile on our face, I mean, it's it's not a bad thing. But one of the the slogans that we had at Breast Friends is our our logo is a is a picture of like two faces side by side. And because we work with all women's cancers, one of the faces is teal. Actually, the faces are just you know clear but the hair and the eyeballs and all that stuff sure one's mm-hmm. teal one's pink and then it's got a ribbon that connects the two that goes from pink to teal because teal is the color for ovarian right, cancer right. and yeah. but underneath it it said support the girls and mm-hmm. we you know we're we kind of like that because it's just light and fun and you know we're not making fun of women with cancer I mean, no. heck, we're 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 all there, you know. We're we're in that same boat. So if anyone can make fun of, of women's breasts and cancer, I guess it's those of us that are dealing with this issue. <laughs> but I had That's a right. lady come up to me at one of these these conventions, and she saw that sign, and she goes, "Please tell me, support the girls isn't referring to your breasts." And it's like, well, it kind of means a lot of things. I mean, it's supporting breast friends, and it's mm-hmm. supporting the girls, the girls in your circle who are going through breast cancer. It means a lot of different things. But yeah, right. that's one of them. And she was so mm-hmm. offended, and I just thought, ouch, you know, I didn't. We don't really mean to offend anybody, no. but it's kind of like comedians standing up there and making fun of themselves. You can do that. You can <laughs> make fun of yourself, so but no one else can do it. So anyway, right. I just, I just thought that was really interesting, but I'm with you. Let's, yeah. you know, let's have some joy around this because it, it is yeah. real. It's what we're going through. And my husband had a real cool thing. I'm, I'm going to share this. He's probably going to die of embarrassment because he usually does, but, <laughs> um, but he's very, it was, it was so, so endearing. But when I had a lumpectomy the first time out back in 1996, I had a lumpectomy and I had really large breasts at that time. So I had this one sure. big floppy one still, and then I had this little light perky one and uh-huh. I was going to have breast reconstruction to have the other one, the big one reduced so that they would match. Right. And he told me he didn't want me to do that because he kind of liked having them two different sizes. It was like being with two different women. <laughs> Oh, that's great. <laughs> I know. And I laughed and he laughed and it just endeared him to me because, yeah. I mean, I was so self-conscious about it, but but he it, but he wasn't. It didn't bother him in the least. And I, sure. and I thought that was really special and sweet. So yeah. anyway, um, yeah. so yeah, say goodbye to the girls, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so how has your book been received and when did it come out? Let's go back for just a moment. It came, I had it published in 2015. So it's okay. been out for for several years, and uh, it's been well received. I've gotten on Amazon. I love reading the reviews from people who have who purchased it off of Amazon, and and okay. the friends and the family that have have commented are great. There's a wonderful organization in the Midwest called Pink It Forward, and it's okay. If you've been diagnosed or you have a friend who's been diagnosed with cancer, you can contact them and they will send you this wonderful little care package. And in it is my book, Pink uh, Goodbye to the Girls, along with all kinds of little lotions and a 
pair of pajamas and just really, really sweet things. And yeah. I, um, so it, to have it spread around that way is, is great as well. But it's been well received, I think. That's good. And you're also a professional speaker. So what's been your yeah. favorite speaking event since your diagnosis? Oh, boy. There's, there's, been, there's been so many. many. Um, I was in Lansing, Michigan probably four or five years ago, and this sweet little sassy woman that looked like a model came up and just, just, beautiful. And she told me about how much my words touched her and all just very kind. But then she wanted my picture with her. So I was standing there and she said, honey, you don't know how to, oh, what was the word she used? It was so funny. She put her hand on her hip and she just said, you've got to learn how to have some attitude here. Get some attitude (laughs) in your pictures. And Later, I found out that this woman had a stage four lung cancer after it metastasized from her breast, and and just the sassiest gal. Every time I have taken a picture since, I put my hand on my arm on my hip, and I have a little attitude, and I think of this little Shirley who just truly touched my life, touched my heart. I love every speaking gig that I have. There's somebody that makes a difference in that audience that comes and talks to me, and I. I am so grateful for every opportunity. Don't you love that? You know, sometimes yeah. I, I hear people say that it's it's only good if they get a standing ovation. Well, you know, right. it only takes one person to stand to get a standing ovation. That That's exactly. not what thrills my heart. I mean, it's fun to get one. Yep. But you know what sure. I live for? I live for the hugs. If they line yeah. up to give me a hug when I'm done, if I get a hug, it's because I touch their heart. And when they right. line up to give me hugs, that means I touched a lot of hearts. And and that's yes. so meaningful, you know, to to be up in front. And you're not just blurting out a bunch of words. You're actually making a difference and touching people in a way that yeah. that is. That's what I love about speaking. And I know it's like what they say, the number one fear or something being right behind death. Um, although that's changing. People are getting braver, I think. But um, I think so, but it's, too. But it's uh, it just means so much to to be able to share a story and have it touch somebody in such a unique and wonderful way. I I love that, yeah. and I I think I would like Shirley as well. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, Shirley was lovely. Now you did something yeah. else too. You had professional photos taken before and after your mastectomy when you did a double mastectomy. <laughs> so uh, do you recommend that to other women? Is that you know after. After I have spoken from the stage telling people that, that that's something I did, and there have been many, many women that have said, oh, I wish I would have thought of that. No one, no one ever suggested that to me. I, I, am not, I am not a beautiful bodied woman. And yet I look at the curves that I had um, the breast, the look that I had, that's what I was. And and these breasts fed four little infants and they have been part of our lovemaking and part of my life for so long. And to think they were going to be gone in a yeah. matter of days, I just wanted one of those pictures secured. And it was, you know, nothing too absurd or anything, but but I really wanted them, and um, the gal that took my pictures were just ultra ultra sensitive, and she did a lovely job, and um, quite conservative, and I. So these were these are I personal think, photos. You didn't. They're not published yeah. in a book somewhere. Yeah, 
Well, or, or are they? Well, Maybe they are. <laughs> actually, in this, the graphic designer that I, I used is brilliant, and she is out in San Francisco, and, and she looked through a bunch of my pictures, and she said, I think people need to see the before and the after, and there was just one after my um, surgical biopsy to begin this whole journey. Um, and I and I had a frame around my chest, so you you can certainly see breasts and some damaged tissue and all that. And then the same frame later taken after the breasts are gone, and you just see the scars. and And mm-hmm. I think it's meaningful. And she thought that women need to be able to see what what they're going to be going going to be going through. And so she she was, I think she's a brilliant designer, and she suggested I use those. Good. And, you know, it's not really even as so much what they're going to be going through, but to remind them that they're not alone. You know, yeah. many, many, many of us have, have been through this. I mean, I started with a lumpectomy, and after my second one, I had a double mastectomy. I never, yeah. I never did the photo thing, but, you know, I, I, can, see, I can see the value in, in doing that. Um, yeah. You know, so I, I get that. Well, okay, I, before we run out of time, if someone is sure. listening to this podcast and they want to hire you, how do they contact you? And I need the really short well, version of this answer. <laughs> yes. Um, they can go to my website, kimwagnerspeaks.com, and there's a little form there that they can fill out. They can also contact me by email, just kim at kimwagnerspeaks.com, and Beautiful. I would love to visit with them. There's not an audience that I don't thoroughly enjoy from um, physicians to doctors to nurses to um, Christian women organizations and um, I love to speak there is a message that is in me that um, yeah. I believe people need to hear I agree wholeheartedly well Kim you've thank been a delightful you. guest today thank you so very very much for for taking time out of your schedule I know you weren't feeling well so praise Jesus that you are feeling better yeah. now and we're able to do this and you didn't get lar- laryngitis and have that stand in the way so thank you for <laughs> for all of that and for taking the time out to be a guest on my show so for those of you who are listening as a new new person for the first time and maybe you just stumbled across our our podcast we are available on almost every major podcast platform out there just search for breast friends podcast and make sure that you share the podcast with your friends let them know that we are that we exist and we do this and if you love our show please 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 consider making an online donation you can go to breastfriends.org there's a button uh, for donating you can make a donation in support of this program and that will keep us on the air for a long time. So we really, really thank you. We are donor funded. We we don't um, we don't sell space on here. Um, although we do accept sponsorships too. So if you would like to sponsor our program and have commercials, you can do that as well. Well, we will be back next week. And until then, remember there is always hope, and we are here to help you find it. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Becky Olson again next Wednesday at 12 o'clock noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time.